And all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel saying, If, say if, if you return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the foreign gods and the Ashtaroths from among you and prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. So the children of Israel put away the Baals and the Ashtaroth and served the Lord only. Praise God. That's a miracle. Next verse. And Samuel said, gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered together at Mizpah, drew water, and poured it out before the Lord. And they fasted that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mizpah. Now when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered together at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. So the children of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may serve us from the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. Then Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. Now as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day. And so confused them that they were overcome before Israel. <laughs> and as the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and drove them back as far as below beth then Samuel took a stone, here's where I want to preach, and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name, <laughs> saying, Thus far, the Lord has helped us. Literally, Ebenezer means the rock of help. How many know the rock is our help? Our help is the rock. So just a little bit of backstory on this. Chapter 5 is that story where the Philistines took the Ark of the Covenant and they put it in their temple with all their gods. How many know, think, we'll talk about this, but the Philistines and all pagans had a lot of gods. They had a god for everything, right? So they had all these gods. Dagon was the main one, and they put the ark in there, and in the morning, old Dagon had fallen over. So they picked him up. Next day, old Dagon's fallen over. So anyway, they said, we got to get rid of this. <laughs> we got to get rid of the ark. Too much competition, with this ark. Amen. He, he's just kind of stronger than all our gods. So they put the, they put the ark on this, uh, on this uh, uh, cart, put the ark on a cart, and they had these little uh, uh, golden things made out of mice and, and tumors. I don't know what. To, they, they put them on the cart as like an offering, and, and they hooked up the ark to, to a, a couple milk cows. You know what a milk cow is. It's and, and, and they said, well, the milk cow will always go where the calf is. So they put the calf in the field. And they said, look, if it goes back to the calf, this is just a coincidence. 
You know, when God judges the planet, there's too many people saying it's just a coincidence. That's, that's just Mother Nature. That's just the way things are. Really? So they said if, it, if the cow does what a cow naturally does, then this is a coincidence. But if the, if the cow goes away from the calf, it's God. God this, this Jehovah God must be God. And I like the story. It says that the cows went towards Israel instead of towards the calf. And it said they were, they were mooing all the way. It's like, it's like they were protesting. Like, I don't want to go this way, but I got to go this way. Moo. That's cow talk. You got to know cow talk. They were saying, I don't want to go this way, but I got to go this way. So they go back, and, 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 and it goes, goes to Kirjath uh, uh, Jerim, and, and there's a story there I don't want to get into. It's a horrible story. They, they, they mishandled the ark, and God had to deal with that. And then, so they said, get rid of the ark. I don't want it here. And it finally winds up in the house of Abinadab, and it's in his house for 20 years. And when it comes out, there's another whole story about that. Remember David bringing the ark out of his house. But it's there for 20 years. But what are the lessons to be learned here? And what is this Ebenezer all about? And what does it have to do with spirit man? As we've been saying, I think a large percentage of the church world today, of the people in the church world today, are not really spiritual people. They're saved, thank God, means they're forgiven, on their way to heaven, they love God, okay, great. But how many really walk in the Spirit? How many can say that they've, that they've crucified the flesh and now the Spirit man reigns instead of the fleshly man? I don't know what that percentage is, but how many would agree with me? It's probably low. And you have to look at yourself. Because it's a matter of degree, isn't it, also? also. Because, you know, sometimes we have our moments. Some people are only spiritual on Sunday morning. And some of them are faking it. But anyway, <laughs> and, and some of us are just spiritual when we pray. And some of us are just... It's just spiritual every once in a while when, when we have those God moments. Thank God for them. But we don't actually realize that we can literally live and walk in the Spirit. And it's not, and it's not really just some, a nicety in life, because Paul says in Romans 8, right? I'm, I'm rehashing things in case you hadn't been here. But it's very clear that to live in the flesh is death, leads to death. It leads to death. Now, I don't know if that means spiritual death. I, I guess it can, right? Unless you believe once saved, always saved. Which we don't. I was waiting for a good amen there. I, I believe you can choose to leave the Lord if you want to. So some people, they, they, haven't, they haven't chosen to leave God, but in effect they have because they're living in the flesh which is death. So really, you need to be a spiritual man because when you're not in the spirit, you're in the flesh, which is death. 
And it's hard to hear the Spirit, capital S, in you when your filter is clogged with flesh. Okay, remember all that in previous sermons. So let's finish this up and talk about something really important. We've kind of touched on it, but I think really it's the key to being a spiritual person. And we've talked about some of the mechanics of that and how to do that. And let's, we're going to get into that a little bit more, but let's look at this story. And there's some lessons that we learn right here. And the first lesson is this, that whenever God's people come together, it ticks off the enemy. He doesn't like Sunday morning, and, I, and, and, and he doesn't like small groups. And you can say, well, then I'll just quit that. But then he wins. And isn't he already defeated anyway? Listen, the battle's over. The war is over. There's just those guerrilla warfare, little battles we got. But we know in the end we win because we already have. Give him praise. Amen. I've been looking a lot at Pharaoh's, at this thing about Pharaoh and the children of Israel coming out. And, and one of the things, remember he said, let my people go that they may worship me, that they may hold a feast. And, and he told Pharaoh, and I don't know if Moses is being deceitful here, but he tells Pharaoh, we want to go three days. You know that's not true, right? <laughs> So I don't know, <laughs> but he, uh, maybe it's part of the negotiation process. But he tells Pharaoh, we want to go three days in the wilderness. So Pharaoh's not really letting them go completely. He's letting them go for three days. But Pharaoh doesn't even want, he doesn't want God's people worshiping even three. He does not want even three days without bricks. Can I say it another way? He doesn't even want one day without bricks. He'd rather you work yourself seven days a week and make all that money and not take that, not honor the... Thank you. Reminded me of the Baptist hack. That would have been a good time for it. What was, what was Pharaoh really concerned about? He was concerned that if they quit working for three days and got together and worshipped as a family, as a community, if they did that, they would discover who they really are. There's power in identity. There's power in knowing who you are. <clears throat> and it's not about you going off somewhere saying, God, who am I? It's about you meeting together with other like-minded brothers and sisters. It's in worship that you figure out who you are. It's in worship you find your purpose and identity. It's in the house of God. It's in a small group. It's where two or three... 
My God, I feel him in this house. No wonder since COVID, there's been a mass exodus from the churches. The enemy doesn't care what you claim. Just don't be who you claim to be. He doesn't care what you do. Just don't come together in unity and worship God. I don't have to be saved to go to church. No, you could be dysfunctional and go to heaven. Number two, and by the way, he says, you got, you got to worship the Lord with your whole, and when you do, you do, that's when you discover who you really are in God. Oh, Pharaoh knew that. The devil's got more insight than some of us Christians. He knows if he can keep you from coming to church. I've said this several times now. How many remember when you were faithful when you came three times a week? Now you're faithful if you come once a month. It's a trick of the enemy. And I'm not, I'm not trying to build attendance. You listen to what I'm saying. This is critical. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, especially, 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 especially when you see the day coming. And here the day is coming and we've never attended less church than we have. We can't even get you to come on Thursday night. I admit I haven't been there lately for one reason or another. And I, I, there are reasons. I get it. Old Pharaoh's got you making bricks. I know. But we have got to prioritize because we'll never discover who we are until we get into this thing with our whole heart and get into this with each other. Well, there's certain people I don't like. Well, there's certain people don't like you. <laughs> Let's just get along. Number two, number two, pray and fast. Pray and fast. I'm talking about our text now. They began to pray and fast. Reminds me of 2 Chronicles chapter 7, right? Verse 12. The, then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I've heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven, think about what's happening in the world today. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send COVID, I mean pestilence, among my people, uh-huh, uh-huh. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, oh, that's hard today, and pray and seek my, God has to be sook, is that a word? Sought, thank you. Seek, sock, sook, uh, and turn, that's a word, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal the United States of America. 
or whatever country that they happen to be in. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? Mm -mm -mm -mm. Uh, let's pick up also Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 16. It shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations, and I, I know this is talking about during the millennium, but this applies. Listen to me. Left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year. This is during the thousand years. Listen, but watch how important this is. Shall go from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles. There are seven feasts. Only this one is celebrated for a thousand years. How many think we're on the right track here? And to keep the feast, tabernacles. And it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem, stubborn people. Can you believe during the millennium people will get stubborn? Do you believe during the millennium people won't go to church? And do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts. On them there will be no If the family of Egypt will not come up and enter in, they shall have no rain. They shall receive the plague with which the Lord strikes the nations who do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. What is the Feast of Tabernacles? Camping with Jesus. Camping with, spending a week in the presence of the Lord. Uh, whether you're here or not, you need to honor this week. I'm not saying get off, take off work. I'm just saying let's, let's take a week where we're thinking about him 24-7. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. How many of you know what I'm talking about? This is important because if you don't do it, he cuts off the rain and he sends the plague. You mean God sent COVID? Why not? Maybe he did. We can argue, look, when you don't live right, this, these things get released automatically. But God is ultimately the author of everything, isn't he? So how could God be so mean? He, listen, you brought it on yourself. We brought it on ourselves. And it's time, it's time that we start living this life. Pray and fast. They gathered at Mizpah. Mizpah means watchtower. They gathered at the watchtower. Beth Car. Beth Car means house of pasture. And if we'll gather for prayer, we'll wind up the sheep of his pasture. Okay. Number three. Then he says. Build stones of help, Ebenezer, to remember what God has done. So there's two parts of this. Number one, we need to, we need to remember. The trouble with the church world today is we're too quick to forget all the things God has done. We get in trouble. He delivers us. We go, thank you, Jesus. Next week, we're in some other trouble. We're all like, yeah. Did he not just, if he did it once, will he not do it again? 
Why would he do it once and not twice? And in most cases, he's done it dozens of times. So why not one more time? Stones of remembrance. And they're they're so, I got to go quick through this. But listen, these places of memory, you know, he, 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 he picked up a stone. He says, we got to remember what God did for us here. So he put a stone up. And every time somebody would go by, what's that stone for? And then somebody would tell the story. And that reinforced in their mind what the story was. And then the children would come along and the kids would play around the stone or they're, they're drawing on it. No, 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 no. What's that stone for? And they remind, they tell the story again. Scientists are beginning to figure this out. It's been in the Bible all along. But your brain works in strange ways. I think the best way to illustrate it is an addiction. When you took that first drink, yeah, I like this. This tastes good. Feel, my, feel good. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a stress. I'm feeling good. And the brain goes, hmm, he likes this. Let's make this a good memory. And it's good enough to drink it again, right? And again. <laughs> and again. And pretty soon, it's what the Bible calls a stronghold. Those of us who have never dealt with addiction, we look at people and say, just quit. Just come on. Just, can't you see it's destroying? Because at some point, it becomes so huge that it controls everything in the brain. And now you can't quit. But that's not, that's not the whole story. Because now the brain is focused on that And when you try to start a new habit, it it actually fights against it because it wants to survive and it doesn't want that competing habit. So you start doing something positive like, I'm going to go to church. And that lasts about two weeks because the stronghold in your brain has become so large that your brain is unable or unwilling to allow a new habit to form. That's why they say it takes, what, six weeks, eight weeks of doing something continuously in order for it to be a habit. But you got to remember You've already done that, and you have a stronghold already in your brain. And that stronghold has to come down before the new one. Isn't that what crucifying the flesh is? So that, that's, that thing in your brain, it's been built up and built up and built up. And it could be anything, anything. That's why it's not enough just to get saved. You need to be sanctified, saved, and crucified so that new habits can begin to form, and your brain will make those new habits 
strongholds for the Lord Jesus Christ. How many know what I'm talking about? So these stones were meant to create strongholds in the mind so that you can be that spiritual person and not distracted by other things and other habits. Genesis chapter 28, verse 10. Let me just give you some quick examples. Jacob went up for Bathsheba, went to Haran. There came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set, and he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head and lay down in that place to sleep. Remember this story? He dreamed, behold, a ladder was set on the earth. Its top reached to heaven. There the angels were ascending and descending. The Lord stood about it. I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie. Is, I will give to you and your descendants. Boy, you never know what God's going to mm. So Jacob woke from his sleep and says, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. The Lord is doing things in your life and you do not know it. You're not aware of it because you have other strongholds. You're focused on other things. He said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God and this is a gate. This is a gateway. So what are we going to do about it? Just walk off? Do I have another verse? You know what he did. He rose early in the morning. He took the stone that he had put in. He took his pillow, set it up as a, and poured oil on it. He sanctified it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, house of God. But the name of that city was Luz before. He changed the name of it. Sometimes you've got to change the name of what you're going through. He changed the name of it and put a rock there so he can look upon it in his travels. He can remember it so other people will know it. He marked the place. He put a marker in his brain that opened a portal to heaven. Am I helping anybody? Am I helping anybody? When Joshua crossed the Jordan, y'all pray for me. I'm about done. He said, he told some of the priests, grab a stone and go across. And when he got to the other side, right, they had 12 stones. And they set up 12 stones. And he said, he said when, the, when the children come by, they said, what, is, what do these stones mean? Remember that? He said, this is a remembrance that God, God parted the Jordan River and we crossed over. For decades, for generations, that thing, that thing became a pillar. It became a marker. It became a, a way for them to remember and be the people of God after they got their inheritance. Don't, sometimes you get your blessing and you just lose yourself in your blessing. You take it for granted and we forget him. I'm like, oh, this is too deep. Orthodox Jews. Do you ever see them? They got that little box on their head. And they got another one on their arm. I need one on this arm. They also put, there's scriptures in those boxes. There's also one above the lintel of the door. So over the door, over their head, and over their arm. What they think, 
what they do and where they go. It's covered by the word of God. Everywhere they go, the word is on their mind. Everything they take a hold of, it's all about the word. When they come home, when they go out, it's all about the word. Say, Pastor, how do I become a spiritual person? Buy a little black box. <laughs> well, at least mark, at least mark the lintels of your door or nothing. The Catholics, once a year, they put ashes on your forehead. I think, I think it's great. It's a reminder. It's a reminder. Anybody with me? There was a law in Judaism because one of the ways they marked their property, their boundaries, their borders, they didn't have flags and steel poles. They had rocks. In New England, you know, you ever see these stone fences? They're not very high. Anybody can walk over that. It's not meant to keep. It's meant as a boundary. That's my property line. These stones are my property line. And it was a law in Israel that, that you could be punished if you moved a boundary. Punished if you moved a boundary. Tell the devil he'll be punished if he moves one of your boundaries. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to today's sermon by Dr. Bruce Phillippe, lead pastor of Journey Life Center. To hear this message in its entirety, please visit our website at journeylifecenter.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.